Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he's scored a goal every time he's had a shot. What's going on, guys? We are back with another episode of the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Premier League, Bundesliga, and the Champions League. We've got a nice little host of topics for you this week, but with me as always, the Ballon d'Or to my Jesse Lingard, Billy. It's happening. And West Ham are going on a European tour. Oh, West Ham can still mathematically win the league, but more on that later. <laughs> That's right. This week, we are going to take a look at what can only be described as a mad match week in the Bundesliga. We'll also be taking a look at the aforementioned West Ham and their push for a European place. And more, yes, again, VAR controversy in the Premier League. Shall we jump right in with West Ham? Yeah, I mean, we already mentioned it. So I think there are two parts to this. Part number one, Jesse Lingard, if he had kept this up for the first half of the season as well as the second half of the season, he would probably be in contention for like the, you know, I don't know. He can't be the young player of the year anymore, even though I still think of him as like a 20-year-old talent. But I mean, he he'd... He'd almost be putting himself up there for pro- player of the year or player of the season. It's Just ridiculous. the form. I think you have the best stats for this, Bill. Go on, go on. We love well, a, we love a good good little haul of stats at AT Sports. We really do. So it's the first time he scored in four consecutive matches in his entire career. Jesus. And he he didn't get any Premier League minutes until February third. Right. He already has more goals than Mane, Richarlison, Grealish, Foden, Mount Firmino, James Rodriguez, Timo Werner, Kevin De Bruyne, and Nicola Pepe. Did you mention Kai Havertz in there as well? Uh, Kai Havertz doesn't count because he's barely, he's only scored like two. That's what I mean, though. He's like, (laughs) yeah, but it wasn't in the list that I was given. Okay, fair enough. But we could add Kai Havertz in there as well. So out of those players that you just named, half of them have a price tag of probably over 50 mil. At least. The thing is, we were, we were talking before we hit record and you were like, it's just a straight loan. I thought like you thought that United had sold him to West Ham. It's, That's it's a crazy a, thing. It's a straight loan, no option to buy. So why are you not more excited about him coming back? Yeah, actually, though, (laughs) I've seen him do this 2016 to 2018. He was one of our best players under Mourinho and then under Solskjaer to begin with. And this is nothing new. Yeah, but you just said he's never scored in four consecutive matches in his entire career. This is not him just doing what he used to be doing, you know, around the 2016 to 2018 time period. This is him doing a whole new array of brilliance. This is, this is is him doing stuff he's never before done in his career. So I I'd argue that he's, he's doing better than he ever has in a United shirt. Yeah. He's doing a lot better than he ever has in a United shirt, but people getting gassed up saying, Oh my God, he's incredible. He's in the best best form of his life, but he still played at this level. Yeah, okay, fair enough. If you take it back, United were fourth in that 2016 to 2018 period. So, <laughs> hush. We, we, we'll ignore that. We'll ignore that. Um, but then we also have to talk about West Ham. I, I said it already, but they did mathematically still win the league. <laughs> I don't understand West Ham because they come out and they start so quickly. And whoever 
the, the scout was, like I've said this before, whoever the scout was that picked Thomas Socek. Yeah, gee. Build him a statue, a monument outside London Stadium. That's the thing. You look at that, you look at that team, and there's no way that team should be fourth. Lucas Fabianski is a, a capable goalkeeper, but he does have his mistakes and his moments. Craig Dawson had two consecutive relegations, one with West Brom and one with Watford. And they've just made it a permanent loan move from Watford for two million quid. And West Brom wanted 12 million from West Ham like a few years ago. There's the potential he could be playing against Real Madrid in the newly renovated Bernabeu. Which is it's just ridiculous. obscene. They keep this up. This is West Ham finishing in the Champions League is on par with Eintracht Frankfurt finishing in Champions League. These are two clubs who have always, you know, maybe they have a couple of good seasons, they make it to the Europa League, but they've usually been mid-table clubs. I mean, if we take it, if we're going to be real about this, West Ham last season were in the bottom third of the Premier League. The season before that, they were barely keeping themselves out of the relegation spots. The last season, the last season they were solid. And some people were saying this might be the best West Ham we've ever seen was when they had Dimitri Payet. That's the thing. Dimitri Payet is arguably the most exciting player to ever play for West Ham other than the likes of Paolo Di Canio. Probably, yeah. Who was just box office. Decano, you you will never never forget this guy's celebrations. Yeah, unless you talk about, unless we talk about the ones at Lazio. Yeah, okay, that was a very very unfortunate bit of wording by me. I did not. I, I was I was trying to think of. I was also thinking more of his managerial celebrations where he pulls a knee slide in a suit. But then, oh, yeah, well, I remember watching the ones that at game. Lazio. The ones Shit. at Lazio, though, ooh, but. This team, like the West Ham team in general, is the the best collective of a team that I've seen of West Ham. Uh, West Ham fans might disagree with me. But you go through it. You know, Mark Noble's played like 400 games. Today was his 400th appearance for West Ham. He's leaving at the end of next season. To give him, in his last season, a minimum of... <laughs> a minimum of six Champions League appearances is ridiculous. That that, and, that would be the textbook send-off. And they did that against the Leicester team who were third, who beat United in the FA Cup quarterfinal a couple of weeks ago. They did that without Declan Rice and Mikel Antonio, who, who have been two of their better players other than Lingard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and they were up 3-1 up until you know the last few minutes. So yeah, if... I've got another another little one. The last three games. Oh, I, West I Ham three, well. Arsenal three, West Ham three, Wolves two, and West Ham three, Leicester two. Mind you, in each of these matches, they were up 3-0. That's what I mean. They come out of the gate so quickly. Is it is it a fitness thing or is it the fact that they have got Craig Dawson and you know I want to say it's I want to say that plays a role because no one saw West Ham finishing higher than tenth I think this season if we're being honest like tenth would have been a good result for West Ham the fact that they're now in Champions League spots is freaking ridiculous. Like how, how has David Moyes gone? David Moyes had, all right, it wasn't the best United team you could you could get, but it was still a solid United team who won the league the year beforehand. But David Moyes couldn't get that team to play if his life depended on it. And now he's done it with arguably a much worse West Ham team. That is unbelievable. It's difficult for me to give David Moyes any credit. Because <laughs> he takes a dig 
get United every single time they they win a game. <laughs> there is a definite pattern of well, this is what happens when a manager's given time in a job. It's like yes, thank well, you very you much. Can you blame him? Can you blame him though? No, and you know I I still stand by the fact he should never have been appointed in, in the first place. Wasn't he Ferguson's pick though? Well, Ferguson signed Bebe, so occasionally, <laughs> occasionally it doesn't work out. Occasionally, <laughs> the great man got something wrong. Fair enough, fair enough. But if he had been given time, I mean, what was what was he in in the United job for? Seven months. I, I, I genuinely, we would have been relegated because of the expectations of the club. Whereas West Ham's expectations come from their fans who think they're better than they are. So this is going to, it's very good for West Ham to be up there. It's also very bad for their fans who are now going to be absolutely insufferable. They're going to think that they've been right all these years and that it just took, you know, one one man's brilliance to finally get it out of the club. But they're going to be thinking that they should now be part of the new top six. I wouldn't go that far. It just happened when Thomas Socek, Declan Rice gets sold and Jesse Lingard goes back to Manchester United. Oh, that's just going to be such a massive hole, won't it? They go to the Champions League and they're missing, you know, their star players. It's just going to be a, it's just going to be a nightmare. Well, that's the thing. It's, it's similar with West Brom because they've got a lot of loan players as well. But to have arguably their best player this season who joined in January on loan with no option to buy... That's depressing. <laughs> it's, it's good to have him, but it's also going to be one of those like, oh, God. Because twice they've played away at United, once in the FA Cup and once in the league. And Jesse Lingard's not been eligible to play. And they've lost both games. And there is a, yeah. defi- a, a definite lack in, not necessarily the quality, but there's no there's connection no between midfield and attack because when you play Rice and Socek in midfield they're two very defensive minded players yeah yeah so I mean you know what? irons and cross your arms and I want to see Craig Dawson score at the Bernabeu I mean they've only gone and knocked Chelsea a, fa- a rival club from London out of the top four Oh, they are the highest-ranked club in London. They're above Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, Palace, and Fulham. London is claret and blue. <laughs> they are the highest-placed London club, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Who would have thought they'd be saying that at some point, that West Ham are going to be the best club in London in the Premier League? <laughs> Not me. They were one of my favourites to get relegated this year. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. But it just goes to show, you know, wait, wait, you just mentioned West Brom with one of their players being a being a loney as well. And just the direct contrast between West Ham in fourth and West Brom on 19th. Well, you know. that's the thing though. West Ham, they've they used to spend money on not very good players. I'm I'm talking people like Diafra Sacco and Enna Valencia and things like that. Good for like half a season and then just disappeared and fell off. Yeah. yeah. Dimitri Payet, okay, he had that last season at the bowling. But his attitude just went, his head went, and he wasn't. Yeah. But something's changed and they're now getting in decent players. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, shall we move on from a Premier League positive to one that makes my piss boil? Uh, please do. Oh, I'm all right now because United <laughs> ended up winning the game. I wasn't all right half an hour into the game. I believe Scott McTominay and Hyman Son were part of this equation. It's really, you look so smug right now. And I can't believe you are the only person I know that thinks it was a foul. I'm so sorry. Okay, put it this way. I have said multiple times that I can see why the foul is given. Because I have, okay, hear me out. I say this 
because I've seen that exact same foul be called when it doesn't lead up to a goal and it's just a normal passage of play. And I can guarantee you that in that set, in that, in that exact same instance, if that had not led to a goal, you wouldn't have said anything about it. Can I just, uh, it would have been a no name incident. Can I just, uh, please. The game's gone, Rachel. The game is gone. The game's the game's gone. The game's gone. The game's gone. But the game's gone. The game has gone. It's not so much the fact that the goal was was disallowed. A really nice goal, by the way. It's not oh, yeah, the it was fact a great that, passage to play. It's not the fact that Paul Pogba had early on in the game elbowed Serge Aurier in the neck. It's not the fact that five minutes before that, Lo Celso had done exactly the same thing to Marcus Rashford. It's the fact that there's so there's no inconsistency at all. You know, this isn't the first time I've spoken on here about VAR and Chris Kavanagh. He clearly isn't fit to do his job. I said to you earlier, he's not fit to referee under nines, let alone in the Premier League. He looks petrified every time he has to make a decision. And every pundit has said, every journalist, every former footballer has said, that is not a foul. There's no way that is a foul. And Jamie Redknapp said it on Sky as well. that You can't really hear it if you're watching it on... TV or something, but the scream that Son let out, it was like he'd been shot. That is embarrassing. Like, Kuman Son is is one of the most likable footballers. But today, he just, uh, at the risk of sounding like Kevin Keegan, he went down in my estimation after that. Because he spent like six, seven minutes led on the floor getting treatment after being brushed in the nose. Okay, I realize. Actually, I'll put it this way. First of all, Hoyman Son, in my book, you know, I'm, I've I've never liked the guy much. This might have something to do with the World Cup 2018. Oh yeah, <laughs> but uh, but but we'll leave it at that. I'm in full agreement with you that he, for lack of a word, <laughs> yeah, the game is gone. I know. For lack of a better word, he he basically becomes a little bitch because as you've rightly said you know he goes down and gets medical treatment for the fact that you know he got a little a little little slap to the face it wasn't even that man it was like a flick on the end of the nose pretty much yeah the reason i said and i can understand why you got pissy with me when i when i said it in in match the reason i said that i can see why the foul was given is because i've seen that type of foul given before and the fact that, you know, you can kind of see that, you know, McTominay does try and, you know, you know, try and flail his arm a little bit in nice. the direction of Son. Okay. Hey, I no, I'm, I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish. That being said, that type of movement that Scott McTominay made should not be called, in my opinion. People are definitely right in saying that, you know, the game has gone if crap like that is going to be called because it's just such little stuff. Like it is a contact sport. We're not in, we're not in the ballet, you know, it's, it's, it is a contact sport and little stuff like that. If you want to let the game live a little, you should let stuff like that go. But the reason I said, I can see why they've taken it back is the same reason that we both say, you know, it is the handball in today's ruling that's my point we of course it's not a handball but you know with the rules of today and the reason being i've seen stuff like that get called that's why i can see why it's been called do i agree with it no okay now i've said my piece i've got my hand up can i uh just show yes, you something yes yeah uh, d- yes yes pupil yes well for the people listening at home, I'm now showing Lewis a picture of James Tarkovsky's challenge on Longstaff from the early kickoff on Sunday. 
Oh, well, yeah, um, you sent me this picture already. And I've told you that is a flat out penalty. There is no doubt about it. Longstaff is jumping. He's already a little off the ground. And the guy's just gone and kicked his head. That puts his head or his foot at around the height of about mm, six foot three, maybe. Your foot should be nowhere near that high. That is a penalty all day. How the v- how VAR has not looked at that and said, that's a clear penalty. I will never know. That is baffling to me. It is downright stupid. So that, that's where my that's where my issue comes from. Because well, Solskjaer said it in his press conference that the ref and he, he probably will end up getting fined by the FA because the FA have got such little power over the Premier League, they have to enforce it wherever they can. Because he was like, Oh, well, the referee was conned in the reverse fixture where Martial got sent off for his reaction to what Lamella did to him. Yeah. Which is fair. And he was also conned today because almost every outfield Spurs player crowded the referee. Oh, yeah. To say, oh, but he's punched me in the face, punched me in the face. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure that's against the rules. I want to say it is as well. Like You can't gang up on the referee and be like, you know, oh, you should be given that. You should be given that. There's rules protecting it. The problem is I think referees don't get enough protection in that sense. But that's if that the makes thing. sense, if, if if you know what I mean, like it's it's just like the referees, it's not a big enough deal made out of it that you know if if you crowd the referee, you will get booked immediately. Like only if, in my opinion, only the captain should be talking to the referee if there's a questionable call made, and the manager should be talking to the fourth official if there's a questionable call made. But it also does. You know, if we start putting in rules like that, we're going to take away from the passion of the game. You know, who doesn't love a good scrap? And then the referees in the middle of it, and then it's just you know everyone's crowding around. It's just, you know, that's part of the it's part of the passion that we see in the game. You know what I mean? I do, and so, I don't because in rugby you still have scraps, but it's only the captains allowed to talk to the referee. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. So, but, but still, yeah, but still, what? Long story short, there is not enough protection then for the referees in that instance, or the fact that the rules aren't strong enough or aren't harsh enough to keep things like that happening. But I don't happening. think I don't think the referees deserve any protection when they do their job to that poor of a standard. Oh yeah, no no no, I can understand that, but what I'm saying is that you said Chris Cavanaugh was influenced by the fact that Tottenham players basically put around him and bombarded him with, you know, different interjections. And what I'm saying is in that instance the referee needs a bit of, you know, protection protection if that makes sense. You know, to get I, I the players know. away I, from it. I, I never thought I'd want the Premier League to be more like the Bundesliga, but I really want... <laughs> I really want the referees to uh, come I'm, out I'm just... and explain. Because if Chris Kavanagh could come out and be asked by whoever it is, Jeff Shreves or or like anyone, any broadcaster, just to come out and say, look, this was your decision. Why? Oh yeah, no, no doubt about it. Because that's that's one of the things I love about the Bundesliga. And in those instances, also referees have in the past apologized, and they've basically gone like, "Yeah, you know what? That was a pro- that was a mistake by me. I fully accept the mistake, but at the end of the day, I can't change it." They do that. I, they do do that in the Bundesliga. If I went to work tomorrow, and I was that bad at my job, I'd get the sack. Well. The only thing that people will most likely be missing or the referees will be missing out is their bonuses. You know, at least there's that. But what I'm saying is there's not enough, you know. Well, it doesn't matter because United won 3-1 anyway, so. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, bar the fact that they deserve to win that match, you know. Oh, definitely. And I... Just before we move on, I want um, I want your opinion on this. Yes. So Tottenham are currently seventh. Yes. Right? And before the game, uh, I was watching on Sky, uh, Jamie Redknapp was trying to argue that this was 
this wasn't a soft Tottenham team. This wasn't, you know, this is actually quite a good Tottenham team, one of the best that, that they've ever had. I want to argue the point that Spurs have never had a good team. Spurs have never been good. Yeah, they got to a Champions League final, but they lost it. So they might as well not have bothered beating Ajax in that semi-final anyway. Because they didn't put up a fight against Liverpool at all. They then sacked their manager, who played a really nice style of football, because results weren't quite going his way because he didn't get some of the players he wanted in the summer. They've now brought in a manager who has been good, but in his last three clubs hasn't really shown it. Tottenham, I don't understand Tottenham. And the question I want to ask you is, you know, managers have lost their jobs for less than Mourinho. Does he get the sack? Do you stick with him? You know, if they lose that League Cup final in a couple of weeks to Man City, which they probably will, they're not getting Champions League football this season. I'd say Mourinho's gone at the end of the season. The only problem for Tottenham at this point is who are you going to get in as a replacement? Because if you're Julian Nagelsmann, there's no way you're stepping into that Tottenham job. It's like a poison oh, challenge. Hell no. For Also, I'm sorry, but at this point, going from Abbey Leipzig to Tottenham arguably is a step down. Abbey Leipzig are now fighting for Champions League football. They're fighting for the Bundesliga title the last two seasons. They're fight, They're definitely always... like they're, They're clear goal at the end of the season is to be in top four and they have a very capable team of doing so yeah they might be selling a couple of players this summer but i'd argue that leipzig are one of the teams who might even overtake dortmund in that regard and i'd argue that with the way spurs are going and if spurs don't get champions league which they most likely won't harry kane is gone hoyman son may be along with him and you take away Harry Kane and Hoyman Son, they count for 63% of all Tottenham's goals. Tottenham without Harry Kane and Hoyman Son are, you know, for lack of a better word, shit. That, that team does not make it above 10th place without those two. The minute those two are gone, Tottenham is, Tottenham is going the same way as Arsenal. Well, that's the thing. Funny you mentioned that because I was just about to say that. They're turning into a bit of an arsenal because Lacazette's first goal against Sheffield United this evening, Sunday at time of recording. Yeah. It's quite a nice pass move. And I was like, oh my God, it's the arsenal of old. It's not. They've done it against Sheffield United. Who are basically already relegated anyway. (laughs) Thank you. But Tottenham are in danger of becoming that. I mean, they drew with Newcastle last week, but they, they put on good performances against the team's that they should be beating quite comfortably. I mean, yes, they beat United 6-1, but I maintain anyone, we could have played anyone that week and they would have put four, five, six past us. It just wasn't going very, it just wasn't happening that game at all. And, you know, Mourinho, I used to like Mourinho. i now not so keen. Because he's not Jose Mourinho. He's this bitter husk of a, of a manager that used to be so charismatic. Yeah, I don't, I don't really rate it. Um, I just don't rate the whole project at Tottenham. I think that is a club who would like to be always fighting for Champions Leagues and, you know, getting very far, but they don't have a very good transfer policy. They spent a ton of money on a stadium. Granted, they did need a new stadium. White Hart Lane was an outdated one. And for the places, you know, Tottenham want to go, Tottenham do need that stadium. Whether they need a stadium with a freaking brewery in it, I don't know. Well, that's because Tottenham is run by a money-grabbing troll by the name of Daniel Levy. Yeah, here's the thing. Tottenham needed a new stadium. They did not need a stadium that could host NFL matches, that could have a freaking cheese-making thing in there, that can have a brewery in there, and that has you know hospitality to knock the socks off of every other stadium in Europe. 
a stadium alone does not, or a high tech stadium alone does not buy you Champions League football. What they should have done is they should have gone for a solid stadium with that that capacity, but they could have left out so much of that, you know, hospitality BS that no normal football fan cares about. And they could have spent a little bit more money on players. That team just needs new players. Like, what was that back line today? Eric Dyer and Joe Rodon in the center in, in as center backs. Like, that's just that's a center back pairing that I'd expect from West Ham, if I'm being honest. And, yeah, that, I, uh, and when I say West Ham, I'm talking about the West Ham that everyone was going to predict finishes 10th max. Not the West Ham that is right now doing the business. Yeah, a centre-back pairing of Eric Dyer, who isn't a centre-back, and Joe Rodon, who is championship level at best. At the moment. I'm not saying he can't get better. Did you see the way he went down after... Oh, um... uh, don't. I can't. <laughs> I don't like Tottenham anymore. I used to have a little bit of a soft spot for Tottenham. You know, I'm thinking 2012, 2013, uh, 2011 to 2013 when I had Gareth Bale. Yeah, yeah. And and now it's just screams and you get a decision. It's Harry Kane needs to get the hell out of that club as soon as possible. There are definitely Harry Kane. Also, Harry Kane becomes available on the market this summer. Dilutes the whole Erling Haaland drama by a long shot because Harry Kane is a few years older than Haaland given Haaland has probably more longevity when it comes to his career and probably more the exciting player and in a few years time might be better than Kane but at this point I put them on about the same level of effectiveness of the goals haul they have for striking position both of those players are about the same and I'd argue that if Kane goes on the market, Kane or Haaland, you're probably going to get Kane for a little bit less money than if you were to buy Haaland. So that's going to have some major domino effects for um, the transfer window because I'd argue Barcelona, Real Madrid, they might be looking at Haaland, but if Kane becomes available, they're definitely going to go for Kane. They still won't be able to, surely they won't be able to afford Oh, they won't be able to afford. They they can't afford any one player over forty mil at this point. Those two clubs are drowning in debt, and we've been through this before. Those are Spanish clubs are just so mismanaged. They just think that they can throw money at you know players and clubs, and then they can just buy success. It just doesn't work that way. Well, before we move on to the Bundesliga, I've got one last analogy about Tottenham. Yes, please. Tottenham and that new stadium is like. A guy who can't drive having a Lamborghini. Yeah, or a guy who buys a Lamborghini but then has a house that is like a one-bedroom house. So some shitty little squat somewhere, like a bedsit. Exactly, exactly. Like yours more, a guy who can't drive but then has a Lamborghini. Should we cross the pond? Ah, Jesus. Yes. Well, that match day was freaking bonkers. So, like, come on. <laughs> the amount of goals and ju- just the goals alone. Like, you know, RB Leipzig, they had to kind of... They kind of got rid of their frustration by putting four pa- past Bremen. They were up 3-0 by halftime. Um, but for me, the big one was the display by Eintracht Frankfurt versus 4 Wolfsburg because that was a direct match, third versus fourth. Wolfsburg have been... Do you know what? They've been the quiet team this whole season you know everyone's kind of been talking about Bayern Dortmund Leipzig Schalke um, you know clubs that sometimes are overperforming underperforming but Wolfsburg has just been kind of that you know that quiet team that just kind of does their thing and they've, they've, they've been extremely consistent all credit to them and they've been third Frankfurt on the other hand are much more fun to watch in my opinion and that was a direct battle because Frankfurt were four points behind Wolfsburg and now they're only one point and I think it couldn't get much better than Frankfurt because I swear if Frankfurt make Champions League, that city is going to be on its freaking head. I, I don't really know what to say, to be honest, because we know that they've got two ridiculous strikers in Andre Silva and Luka Jovic. Yeah. And Wolfsburg also have Valt Verkost, if you ignore his... <laughs> if you ignore the, the anti-vax interview he gave afterwards. Jesus Christ. <laughs> what 
on earth. I bet you, I tell you what, I bet the Wolfsburg PR people were just sat there going, No, <laughs> what are you doing? And it's like, Oh, it's fine. In fact, it's just giving a, an interview with a newspaper. It'll be fine. They'll just ask him about the game and how close it was. Oh, yeah, I don't think people should be getting vaccinated. It's like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> oh, it just. People like that make my blood boil, honestly. Like, it is just that they think they're, you know, oh, I'm just going to be, I'm going to, I'm not going to be mainstream. I'm going to be like, oh, you should really think about what, you know, what you do. And he's, I mean, he made a social media post that literally said, uh, you know, this whole, va- these vaccinations are supposed to be so safe for people trying to, you know, are threatening, uh, threatening you if you don't get it. And also there's a virus that you have to get tested for and uh, before you know you have it. Like my friend, have you ever heard of like any virus ever? Of course <laughs> you have to get tested before you get the, if, if you know for sure or not, if you have the virus, people can get STDs without knowing they have them. Like, are you... Oh, oh, it just makes your brain hurt. It really does. But enough of that. Um, obviously. Okay, here's the thing. That match is so great. And it's so great because Frankfurt now are within a point of third place. And if Frankfurt finished the season on third, I will even be having a mini celebration for them. But now it turns into you know the flip side. And this is where Frankfurt are waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that other shoe might be Adi Hütte leaving. Do you think it would be wise of Adi Hütte to leave Frankfurt and go for the project at Borussia Mönchengladbach? There's two different variants of, uh, of reasons of why he would leave and why he would stay. So a reason he would leave, even if Frankfurt get Champions League and clearly Gladbach aren't. Yeah. But if, if Eintracht Frankfurt cannot keep hold of Andre Silva, if they cannot keep hold of Philip Kostic, even Daiichi Kamada, or whether they can buy Luka Jovic, whether he's been given assurances around those key players, staying yeah. or leaving, I think will ultimately determine whether he goes. Because if, if he's been told by the board, look, we can get about 60, 70 million euros for Andre Silva. And he's like, well, we're in the Champions League. Why are we going to sell the best striker we've had? Well, since Luka Jovic left. <laughs> he's better than Luka Jovic at this point. Well, that's the 23 thing. Goal, 23 goals and 26 matches and add on another four assists. You know, why would, why would we sell that player? We're going into the Champions League for the first time in years. No, first time ever. First time ever. Jesus Christ. Exactly. This is why this is why I'm telling you Frankfurt is going to be on its head if it uh it's going to be crazy, but the the Gladbach job is is difficult because I mean they drew with Hertha Berlin, which is never good for anyone. Oh no. But they're eighth in the league. And they're level on points with Union Berlin for Christ's sake. But you have to think the form that they're in at the moment is mainly down to the fact that everyone knows that coach is leaving. Yeah, because I'd argue they don't have a bad team. It's, it's a very good team. I mean, you look at those players. I mean, Jan Zoma, if we, <laughs> we ignore the red card. <laughs> yeah, okay, but <laughs> shit happens, I guess. That, uh, that's, you know, the, that's the main Jan Zoma is one of the best goalkeepers in the Bundesliga. and One of the most underrated in Europe. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Did, I think it was Peter Schmeichel who said uh, Jan Zoma is maybe the most underrated keeper in Europe at this point. Yeah. Then you've got Dennis Zakaria, who they've not had for most of this season because he's been injured. Very good midfielder. Oh, yeah. Florian Neuhaus. Marcus Turam. Yeah. Alessandro Flair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neuhaus has been touted by, you know, by many to move with a move or being linked with a move to either Bayern or Dortmund for around 60, 70 mil. I mean, but again, yeah, as you said, Alessand Player, Lars Stindl, Markus Thuram, uh, you know, Nico Elvedi in the back, Ben Zabaini, they're all solid players. And you'd ar- arguably they have about the same caliber team as Eintracht Frankfurt do at this point. 
other than having a striker in the form of his life. And that's what I yes. wanted to ask you about <laughs> because he was so God awful for AC Milan. Is this, in your opinion, is this a one season thing? Or is it a case of he's found a system, he's found a league, a style, he's settled in, and it's it's just all clicked for him? I don't know about that. Um, I think he's I think he's definitely, or it's it's the latter. So he's basically, I I wouldn't say it's a one hit wonder. It's a, um, I'd say it's very much a deal. He's found a league. He's found a style of play. He has a manager who puts trust in him because I don't think he ever got game. He barely got any game time in at AC Milan. He basically was just, he had no confidence and we can see what confidence does to a player. I mean, look at Timo Werner, for instance, look at Kai Havertz, who, you know, for once he had a good game this week, but um, yeah, I think it's just all come together for him at this point. And I beg that Frankfurt keep hold of this guy because if he moves after one season, we could very much be looking at a, a Luka Jovic type situation. That's what I was going to say. Is there the potential that someone that someone like a, a, a United or someone in need of a striker buys him and he's god-awful? That's the thing. I'd say one season of producing goals like that is not... It, it's enough to earn you the interest. That's what goes without saying. But I don't think that's enough to earn you a move straight away. I think it'd be detrimental for the management. And, you know, we saw it with Luka Jovic, who's he's a prime example. After one and a half years at Real Madrid, he scores two goals and then he hands back to the same club where he, you know, had his breakthrough. So I'd say if, if Andres Silva could stay at least one or two seasons more at the club and he produces the same goals haul, then yes, he definitely needs to move. But, you know, if Frankfurt just get one striker back and they finally get a striker back who's producing the goals for them, then they sell him right away again. That'd just be such a waste. And I can guarantee you right now, without Andres Silva in the Champions League, they will be done after the group stages. Especially, you know, with that three, uh, that, that three competitions in one season. You need squad depth. And that's the only reason they made it so far in the Europa League in the 2018-19 season. Well, there we go. Shall we talk? Where do you want to go next? Well, I, I'd, I'd love to just go and have a look at Bayern, not on the pitch, but from a management perspective, if you will. Um, I had a little bit of a rant about this, a mini one, in the Champions League episode of uh, the previous one. But it's turning into a point right now where it's just it, it it's mind boggling how a club that big can have such a massive problem in the boardroom because at this point now, if you've been living under a rock, there is a very good chance that Bayern could let go of Hansi Flick after this season, the manager who took them from the ashes to six titles in one season you can't argue it any other way. He is up there with one of the most successful club coaches of all time. He's in the same bracket as Guardiola because he, he's the, he and Guardiola are the only two managers who have won six titles in one season. His win percentage puts him at probably at in the top five, if not the top three of all Bayern managers ever. And because... Uli Hoeneß, who is only the honorary president at Bayern, is backing that absolute... I, I struggle to find some adjective to describe this sporting director because he's just so thick-headed. He is such a bad sporting director, has no idea how to manage a club. But Hasan Zalihamidzic has done probably the crappiest job ever. I mean, the transfers alone that he brings into Bayern ahead of this season, you know, Bonassa, Douglas Costa, they just haven't worked out. Mark Rocca hasn't worked out. Tangai Kuyasi, he's not done anything. I mean, given he's been injured, but, you know, he's a talent who we don't know anything's coming of. But how you can favor a sporting director, no matter what he's produced transfers-wise, over a manager who has gotten you six titles in one season, I will never know. 
Sorry, I am paying attention, but I've just found out you've got a board member called Jorg Wacker. That's actually quite funny. Um, I get what you mean. And it's a position that's really difficult in football. I think the, the signings that Bayern made, to be fair, speaking in defence of Hassan Salihamidzic, please don't look at me like that when I say things like this. But speaking in defence, I don't think in a normal summer, in a normal season, where half the season hasn't been played behind closed doors and there's been no money, I don't think you sign Mark Rocker. You don't sign Douglas Costa. You don't sign Bonus Saar. You probably get a centre-half in. You probably get Upa Meccano last summer. Maybe. But and you probably this... get a Max Aaron's as well. But here's the thing: it's not about the signings only that he's done. It's about the fact that Zali Hamidic doesn't consult the manager, and this is a freaking phenomenon because obviously in England, the manager is called the manager because he not only manages the team on the pitch, but he also manages the squad and the roster that is that is developed over the summer. He's the one who makes the signings. In Germany, you've got the sporting director for that. But the problem is if the sporting director goes freaking rogue and starts signing players the manager doesn't want, there is no point in building up a squad. The squad has gotten worse, if that is even possible. Like, you, you would think that you know, corona, corona or not, you don't let the squad get worse. Zali Hamidic lets go of players like Perezic. He just said and came out and he's leave, that he's letting go of Boateng, who is has been the best center back Bayern has along with David Alba in the tr- uh, in this treble winning season and this season he's even been be- he's probably been Bayern's best center back and he's letting him go and not giving him at least a one year option that is baffling to me and I mean, and Flick doesn't like they say all in the media like Flick yeah he was he was in on this on this decision making but Flick goes in front of the press conference he's like yeah well I wasn't all you know too I'm not all too happy about the situation with Boateng, which means obviously these decisions are being made over his head. And it is unreal how you could back someone who makes boneheaded decisions like that and thinks that he can plan the squad better than the most successful manager of Bayern of all time. See, when you say stuff like that, it kind of undermines your point. Because I know he's won six trophies in a year. I'm not denying that. But surely the most successful coach in your history is your Pinkses. How? He was there for two years and he won a treble. See, in my mind, was he actually there for only two years? Yeah. See, he in was, my he mind, was the one he, who... was buying, he was buying manager for like 30 years. And I don't know nah. why. Anyway, sorry, that's just my... Fan ha- get here, get this. Fan Hal. He he took over from Fan Hal. Louis Van Gaal's army. I I get so, the point you're yeah. making. And to be honest, I wouldn't blame Hansi Flick if he took the German national job because he would have complete control over that entire team. Exactly. That's all he's asking for. He's just asking for Zali Hamidic to stop having a chip on his shoulder and just work with him like a normal sporting director should. But because this guy has a chip on his shoulder the size of freaking Spain and he needs to, you know, massage his ego, he's making decisions where he's like, well, I'm the sporting director and, you know, I'm I'm part of the board of directors. I should be, uh, I should be making these decisions here and there. Like, no. Get the hell out of my club. You are literally making, you are the reason that the best manager ever is going to be leaving at the end of this, uh, at the end of this season. And if I'm honest, like I don't blame him. What is that chip on his shoulder? I don't know. He's a a small guy. Or do do you think it's the same as my theory about Ed Woodward at United? Do you think he's a little bit fame hungry? Maybe. Although he was a professional footballer. So he was he a professional footballer, but yeah, yeah but that's what I'm saying. He's never, fame. Exactly. What I'm saying is he's never 
really made it out of the professional footballing sphere like sphere like he's thought he could become a manager but he's just not fit to do so and some people just have to accept that it hasn't worked out but the problem is Bayern's board will never do that see Oliver Kahn strikes me as the type of angry man that would not stand for it yeah that's what I thought but this guy has repeatedly kept himself out of the whole tryst Rummenigge has backed Flick. Hoeneß, because he's still, even though he's an honorary president, he still has a lot of weight uh, at Bayern because of his previous service to the club, is backing Zalihamidzic. And Oliver Kahn, who's supposed to be, who's supposed to be uh, taking over from Rummenigge at the end of this year, is keeping out of it. I would have thought that he's the first one who comes in there and says, you know what? Screw all this. You guys are having a laugh. Zalihamidzic, you're out because you're incompetent. And Flick, you're staying. If only it were that simple. <laughs> If only it were that simple, yeah. But, I mean, it's ridiculous. Get out of my club. They're going to mismanage the club. Like that, It is so evident that it is a miss... Uh, it is such a miss... Or, or it is a misappointment in one of the key strategic positions in that football club. Are you, are you quite finished? Yeah, okay. I had I've said my piece now. I'm probably going to be make, be here at the end of the season. You make you make a very good point. And no one could blame Hansi Flick if he leaves. There's nothing concrete yet. I'm not going to say when he leaves. <laughs> I mean, he's he got a con he's got a contract till 2023, but if I were him, you know, and the the club's not 100% backing me and they're still they still think that they need the sporting director, then um you take the hit, surely. Yeah, definitely. You just say, you know what? I'll, 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 I'll just terminate my contract right now. Would be sad, but again, I get it. That yeah. is all the time we have for this week. We will be back on Friday with our roundup of the Champions League semifinals. He's hoping for some other upsets. Definitely, definitely. But don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and have a look at all of our social media channels for AT Sports on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and also head over to our podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and our RSS feed. Thank you very much for listening, guys. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game.